You are listening to the Path Podcast on Mountain Bike thing? Radio. I know it doesn't feel like it, but we're making progress. Mm-hmm. We settled the deal with the cars. Let's see, that takes us to frequent flyer miles. We're flying. Those are mine. I want them. You know what we're going to do? We're going to split them right down the middle. How'd that be, Mr. Kroger? It would be n- not good at all. I earned those miles. Yeah, you earned them flying to Denver to meet your whore. Oh, Lord. Well, she's not afraid to express herself sexually, if that's what you mean. She's a stripper, for God's sake. Loading. She is not. Her name is... <laughs> I love the... Uh... <laughs> no, we should just get into it. Oh, man. What? Uh, commercial? Commercial. <laughs> we got commercials. We are, got... Are we rolling with this? We are, sure. Why not? Did you close your garage door as long as we're getting sloppy? Oh, that's a good question. I'm pretty sure I did. He's oh, going to check it. <laughs> I'm checking. Welcome to another He's episode buffering. of the Path Podcast. <laughs> He's buffering, kind of like the I to- opening. I, to- I totally flubbed that entrance, but uh, yeah, welcome. Nathan, Tawny, and Ock, normal crew, welcome. <laughs> All right. Hot mess. Good to be here. Nathan, thank you. Ock, welcome okay. back. <laughs> thank you. I don't think we've ever had a buffering moment. Oh, I know, I know. I, I, I had that... Uh, yeah. Sorry I, about that. I think once again we were living our best podcast before the podcast. <laughs> yeah, could. and we were like, we gotta go, we gotta go. Yeah. But so you know made, it's legit. I made Nathan, Nathan snort. Yeah, right before we got into it. <laughs> what, so, was, what was your comment about my snort? It, some people call it norting. <laughs> my I, comment about Nathan's snort was that if this was a date, I would say I would be thinking like this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> Because it, it really isn't often that we hear Nathan snort. <laughs> well, also, though, um, if you're on a date with a woman and you get that reaction, like, you know you've made a connection, even if it's just a yes. co- comedy connection. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Score. Or if you're on a date with any, I shouldn't have gendered my dates because, you know. If you're this, on a date, period. This isn't the 19th century. Come on. <laughs> and that's cool. <laughs> Can, <laughs> can we say that's backwards without being like um bass backwards? Yeah, is that okay? Can I mean, are we offending a, a class here? Backwards people backwards. who like to walk backwards, yeah. like yeah, backwards exactly. walkers who want to like exactly. work on their quads. Are on we the work, hill? Yeah, climb. Are we offending? <laughs> um, what if crisscross might be offended? <laughs> yes. yes, you're right. What if I identify with the 19th century? <laughs> is that a problem? <laughs> It's possible. Yeah, I mean, your air identity is yours to choose, man. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> era, era identity is not something to joke about, guys. Uh, this is really serious. This is. I, I feel like I should start like wearing a zoot suit and say, "Come on, see, you got to We're doing a podcast, see." <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, All right. So what's what's new on the news front? News. Uh, I don't have a lot of news right now. Um, I mean, shop rides continue as always. Do you think this is going to post before our over-the-hump uh, night for the path? It's Thursday. It might be a roll, but yeah, let's we can we can say it. So the path night, um, where path is the the sp- uh, featured sponsor shop at Over the Hump, is not the fourth but the 11th isn't it the 11th it's the 11th june 11th oh it'll for sure post before june 11th so yeah come on out folks on june 11th uh the path bike shop is the featured title sponsor for over the hump uh over at irvine lake uh, it's a huge draw it's pretty cool 
uh, a lot of racers out there. I actually just found out today that we're going to be partnering with Shimano to give away a hand-built XTR microspline wheel set. Oh, sick. Built at the path at that event. Do you guys still do the two off-color nipples at the valve stem? That's more only on request, but I like that still. That That's kind of a little path sprinkle of magic. So that so when the historically when the path used to build wheels, um, you'd say you pick black nipples. Say the two right by the valve stem were both red or something like that. And so as the wheel builder's building, you know when you make a full rotation. I thought that was that's one of the coolest like little little things. I'm gonna just rephrase that. That used to be a path trademark for our wheel building, and now it's more just an option. But we never didn't build wheels. And I know you weren't trying to say that, but the way you said it, it made it. Oh, it's like yeah. back when we used to build wheels. No, I guess but, yeah, yeah. Back I when I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we definitely did that, and I like it. It sh- it kind of shows that it's a hand built wheel, and it shows it makes it a little easier to find the valve. One of the things that um, whenever I show someone to say change a tire, I'm like, yeah, you got to put the label over the valve valve stem, and they're like, why do you do that? I was like, it's a sign of deliberacy. And a good mechanic has control over everything. Is that that's a real going word? On. Deliberacy. I just made it up. I like that. It's deliberate. I like it. Deliberacy. It's, Deliberacy. That might be a word. But Ir- it's a, irregardless of whether or not that okay, we're going to walk <laughs> down this path. Or I'm going to say let's not stop. It, it, just as an alter, as a th- the game of thesaurus, I'll say it's a sign of intentionality. Yeah, yeah I, I like that. And I, I think everything a mechanic does it that involves putting the um, hub label lining up with the valve hole. It's just a sign that you have control over everything that's happening. Right. So if what what Nathan's talking about is if you look through your valve hole, you should see the logo on the hub straight below the valve hole. Right. Assuming it's an axial, but like a Chris King where the label goes all the way around, that's acceptable. It should be in the center of that then. I think it goes all the way around con- continuously on Chris King's, right? Is it you like Chris King, Chris King, Chris King, or is it just one Chris King all the I way I think around? it says Chris King, Chris King all the way around. Oh, okay. Like, well, I, could well, I would say it should still be in between a Chris and a King. <laughs> nice. Between an S and a K. A, a true mechanic has control over everything. All right, so Over the Hump, um, title sponsor, June 11th, uh, Irvine Lake. And wheels built from the path. And wheels built from the path. Man, that might draw me out. And the new Shimano hub is actually like a good hub. And as long as we're talking Shimano, they announced SLX and XT twelve speed. Yeah, I've, so that's a thing. Pricing looks good. Yeah, I'm impressed. I think it's like the the SLX cassette, which was probably my main point of interest, was a hundred bucks, and it was five sixty grams, and I think a GX Eagle cassette is four sixty. So. Hmm. But for a hundred dollars and a hundred grams of loss, I mean, I think a GX Eagle cassette's like two thirty, two forty something, roughly. Hmm. Wow, so, that's. I'm I'm pretty pretty stoked on those numbers. Yeah, for sure. And the 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 SLX shifter seems pretty inexpensive. Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, don't take my silence to mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ex- I'm excited about the new Shimano stuff. Maybe it'll shift better than the XTR. Is the XTR not shifting? <laughs> there, that's what he was holding back. <laughs> Is it not shifting that great? You should listen to the JRA podcast about this because they're they're better at talking shit than us. 
<laughs> they're not pleased. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if it's that they're better at talking shit than us, but that is more something they're willing to engage in on their show, I think. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. Well, okay. My, uh, I will add one thing that they didn't say. The clutch lever on XTR, it looks to me like it belongs on a Dior-level product. It's oh, a really? big plastic overly. It's like it seems too big and too plastic, and and like why is it the only thing that color? And oh. and I don't mean to bash, but also huh. honestly, and and not talking crap, but just in the spirit of honest feedback, like the shifting to me feels a little gritty. Oh, interesting, for, especially for a product that a product of that legacy. <laughs> I'm just looping back to the last three minutes where Tony was just smiling, not saying anything. (laughs) You can enjoy that stuff all you want. (laughs) Well, I was trying to practice if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. (laughs) Well, I'm sure the the reviews will will shake out and stuff like that. But I would say my cheap ass is still experimenting with those Sunrace cassettes. Inexpensive, your inexpensive ass. Yeah, my inexpensive ass. Um (laughs) I'm playing with all sorts of weird, goofy shit. So I, I don't have, like, the new Shimano on order or anything. I'm not prepared to switch driver bodies. I just went through the... I, I just got used to an XT, XD and a Shimano driver. I was adjusting to two. You introduced a three. I, I'm not ready for that. It's, it's, a third driver standard? It's, it's a little bit too emotional taxing right now. And mm-hmm. also, it's not even just two letters. I, I know. Could you have at least have just made it two letters? I know. Just something. Like I, BS? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Just, well, I you, just was trying to think of two letters. <laughs> I, I, I had this conversation. I was racing this weekend, and as we were going up to a stage, I was having this conversation with my friend. And I was like, you know, if I could pick one sponsor, one sponsor where I get free stuff, I was like, SRAM. Because it gives me everything. And that was after seeing I saw Nate Hill's bike at the race, and I was like, "He's got the rad new Moto wheels. He's got the Axis shifter stuff. He's got the new Red Lyric." I was like, "If you're sponsored by SRAM, all you need is like a seat, tires, and frame." And I was like, "I can handle that." What about the the right answer though? Is a non corporate cash or a non industry cash sponsor? Oh well, yeah, in a, in a perfect world, right? Right. Like, aka, just win the lottery and buy whatever you want. Yeah, you know, like Budweiser. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Honda. Ah, I see, I, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Mercedes, because then I just get a Sprinter, four wheel drive Sprinter. Right. As part of your Insta Insta fame influencer <laughs> style. I'm I'm quite the influencer. Take pictures of you on top of it doing yoga <laughs> with a sunburst. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm traveling around in my entry level Dodge Promaster low roof. People, I, I think low the, roof, Avin. <laughs> <laughs> you low. You're, we don't low associate roofing. with. He's a low roofer. <laughs> Head ducking. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a lot of vans. At the race this weekend, mine was not the nicest, but it was quite cozy. But it's nice having a van at the race. Oh, it's amazing. No van is exponentially better, or a van is exponentially better than no van. So should we get into the race a little bit? You were at the race. I was at the race. race. Are we done with news? 
I, th- I, I think, think so. Um, I, I have one piece of news. Oh yeah, actually, the path now accepts trade. The path is now accepting trade-ins. Actually, Ooh. really. Trade-ins. So, if you are looking to sell your bike and get top dollar for it and show it to nine hundred people on Craigslist or battle people on Pink Bike with with lowball offers and all that, you will probably get significantly more money than trading it into the path. I appreciate the honesty. Mm-hmm. However. If you want a quick, clean transaction, make room in the garage, out with the old, in with the new, we can help you make it happen. That is news. That that's, is news. That's quite notable. Excellent. How should we contact the path for information or what Bring information in your can trade you in. Bring in your trade in. We'll either make you an offer on the spot or get back to you ASAP with an offer. Nice. Okay. And then that's just credit towards the new bike or it's only good for credit towards a new bike. Oh, okay. We so we're not, not doing cash. No CarMax. And part of the reason it's for CarMax, but only f- credit towards a car at CarMax. Right. <laughs> yeah. And part of the reason for that is we feel it's gonna help us um, filter out bike theft like hot bikes. Because oh, like if no. you have a bike that you think is hot that you just want to flip, you're not looking to get a new bike. You're not looking to spend at it. You're not looking to it, like um, do, like reinvest further in your stolen investment to have a new bike. Usually, I think. Correct. That makes sense. Sorry about the noise. I was well that, and that. because we're um, trying to sell bikes. Yeah, that's. Um, so when are you rolling this out? And well, I guess you've rolled it out. We rolled it. You rolled nice. it. It went out in our email today. In fact, go on our if you didn't get an email about this, along with an email outlining our kind of preview to 2019 bike sale coupon, you should go onto our website and sign up for our email list. Yeah, they're really good now too. And there's there's coupons all the time, like some suit I think one of them had real a really good tire coupon deal. Buy one, get one half off. That's really good. That is really good. It's very good. All right, do you guys want to hear about the race? I want to hear about the race. Okay, so this last weekend, we're recording on a Tuesday. Um, I raced over Memorial Weekend, so it was three, I got back three, four days ago. Um, I did the uh, uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Big Mountain Enduro. Um, BME. I, BME. I, uh, I often like to go to this race because I, I went to college in New Mexico, and I have friends that still live in New Mexico, and... Um, Super fun. Remember Sandra from last year who who did the race? Yeah, she came on the show. Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, this year she volunteered at the uh, EMS tent, and I got some really interesting insight from her about the injuries happening and frequency and stuff like that. It was kind of really fascinating. I'll I'll get into that a little later. Um, But yeah, I took my van. Um, I've got a ProMaster low-roof van kind of built out for bike racing and camping and stuff so this was my first race to take the van to i was pretty stoked about that um drove out wednesday night got um drove into arizona slept um went the rest of the way to they say it's santa fe it's actually in a little town 15 miles east of santa fe called glorietta which is primarily a baptist summer camp and uh, they've been building trails i mean imagine at this point, the trail system there is like Santa's Village on like super steroids. Mm. Um, so I got there about 4 p.m. on Thursday. Uh, got a couple runs in. Um, and then practice all day Friday. 
and then race Saturday and Sunday. And uh, they announced the course pretty late. I think they announced the course on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday night, I think, is when they announced the courses, which basically it was the last two years of races combined into two days. So there were six, six, um, six stages over two days. Uh, the first day, the first stage had 3,000 feet of climbing, and about half of it was push-a-bike. Oof. Up to 10,500 feet. Oh, my goodness. So um, I think a combination of like a little bit short on sleep, um, elevation, all those things. I My first day of racing on Saturday was not great. Mm. Um, I felt really fatigued, really sluggish. And uh, comparing my times from previous years, that kind of reflected that. Saturday, I felt much better. And my times also reflected that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um Ultimately, I, I got like four, around 40th out of like 58 in open expert, which isn't great, but I would say that the talent that these races pull is quite impressive. I mean, there are some fast guys. Um, I think Nate Hills, who's a famous Instagram fast guy and racer for Yeti, I think he got like 35th. Yeah. Um and Curtis Keene was there, and I think that was probably the biggest name there. He did not win. I think Curtis Keene got, like, sixth. Uh, what was the course like? It's So the courses in New Mexico are pretty burly. They're really rocky. Some of them are steep. Um, definitely big, embedded rocks. I saw that picture of you going off that ledge. It looked to be about, like, head high almost. Yeah, yeah. About, uh, yeah, maybe, like, neck high. Um, there's a couple of drops like that. Um, so when I got there, I looked at the course map and I recognized the courses and, and two of them were more pedally high, like a lot of climbing to get to the tops. And then three of them were quite technical and difficult, but shorter climbing. So I actually focused all my practice on the shorter, um, more difficult courses. And I did not, I didn't even pre-run the high elevation courses just to try to conserve energy. I, I wasn't about to do a 3000 foot hike a bike for, a How stage. many? 3,000 foot hike back? Yeah, the first one was 3,000 feet. Um, the first day we did, I think, about 5,000 feet of climbing, and the second day we did maybe 3,500 or 4,000 feet of climbing. Um, but the the stages that are quite difficult where you got to know where the drop-offs are, really get your lines dialed in like with a matter of inches, um, those are the ones I focused. And those trails are, if you follow the Instagram stories, it's like, it's a trail called Jagged Axe, a trail called Chili Dog, which is the famous one at the end where all the hecklers are, and there's the drop that kind of makes all the all the photos. And then um, there's another trail called Janker DH, which think like Laguna Steep with bigger rocks. Mm-hmm. And um, so Jagged Axe and Janker were on day one. I didn't do great times on those, but Chili Dog... Um, which was the last stage on the second day when comparing to my previous year's times, it's a five minute course. I did 12 seconds faster Mm. than I had in previous years. I was really excited about that. Um, a lot of people that follow on Instagram, I, uh, I raced the shop loner, uh, which is the firebird, big bird, the big bird, firebird 29. Yeah. I raced the pivot firebird 29 and extra large. And, uh, I think our, our listeners, I'm 5'11", so I, I tend to push the size limits. Um, actually, probably jump out of size recommendations. 
Um, really happy with that bike. Uh, the only thing I changed from the stock build was I just put double down tires on for that weekend. And um, it worked great. Mm. Actually, I was super impressed with the rear suspension. I was telling Tawny when he got here today that the progressive, like the curve to it and how well it pedals is probably one of the best bikes I've ridden. It felt like it pedaled like a Spry 120 bike. Mm. And then... Um, but still cycled pretty deep and ramped really predictably and really and That's well. like a 162 bike, I think. I think it's 162. Is that fork a 170 or 160? I think it's 160. Okay. It's a it's a Fox 36. Um, but I was really happy with Short it. Short offset. I, I didn't spend a lot of time setting up the suspension. I, I kind of just set the pressures, and it worked really well. And I was watching the O-rings on the big drop-offs at this race, which is typically how I tune the suspension. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to admit, last year I was running the MRP coil, the MRP ribbon coil, and it did not work as well as that Fox 36. The Fox 36 ramped better, controlled the drops better, tracked better. What about the DW link versus your, like... Um, the Sentinel? Sentinel, yeah. It it, it pedaled better. Pedaled better. Yeah. I And I didn't notice the seat angle that much. I did slam the seat forward in the rails, just knowing my preference. I just kind of did that right off the bat. Um, but I pedaled that thing in the open position the whole time. Hmm. Um, Interesting. It felt really light. Like, the whole bike felt very light. Um, I didn't like the water bottle position. It, does, yeah, it has a... But if you have to have a water bottle on the underside of the down tube, get that salsa stainless steel bottle cage i had a full water bottle that thing never flinched that is the best under down tube water bottle cage i've ever in the king stainless steel one oh yeah for sure because the 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 salsa stainless steel wraps all the way around the bottle whereas the king one goes underneath right okay Mm -hmm. huge difference it works great works great that salsa stainless steel cage is the only one i'd use if i have to what i call use a belly bottle belly bottle Mm -hmm. um didn't get giardia that i know of even though we were crossing like muddy streams and stuff i'd but also the other thing that i do is i'll I'll take the bottle out and just unscrew the cap and drink out of the bottle and screw the cap back on i just don't use the bite nipple how was the firebird 29 on descents good it felt it felt really planted um the the rear suspension felt you know it was odd it didn't feel like it had 160 but it seemed to take the terrain like it had 160, but mm. it did not pedal like it had 160. What about taking big hits like it has 160? It felt good and it didn't bottom out. What about small bump sensitivity? Um, I would say on small bump... Now, I didn't spend as much time tuning it. It might have... I think it felt okay. The only time I felt it was maybe a little short on travel was like sharp edged bumps that were hitting really quick like Mm. rim dingers Mm -hmm. it might have felt a little like it ramped up too hard too much too soon yeah maybe but i i wouldn't hold too much weight in that opinion what what uh what gear recommendations or preparation preparation tips do you have for people who might do that race next year Double down or better tire like good tires heavy duty tires heavy duty tires my friend uh uh, Sean raced his trail tires and, uh, I got a text from him after stage one. He's like, I gambled on the tires and lost. Mm. So did you puncture big, big hole, big rip? Uh, no, he had two small punctures that kind of sealed and then he 
plug them and then um uh i actually so i borrowed the the firebird took off the exo tires put on my double downs but took the exos with me yeah and then lent him my EXOs so for, the second, uh, <laughs> for the second day. And so we were swapping tires quite a bit this weekend. Um, and uh, so I'd say thick tires. And then here was maybe this will loop back to kind of uh, Sandra's experience. Uh, Sean's wife is is Sandra. She's she's been on the show, and hopefully we'll get her on to get her uh, firsthand experience. Uh, sure. She did not race this year. She volunteered at the EMS tent mm. and she has the wilderness first responders training. So she wanted to kind of learn more and, and volunteer at the race. And, um, a lot of f- concussions, uh, good handful of face injuries and a lot of forearm abrasions. And I think the interesting takeaway from that information is that a lot of kids are still running open face helmets the whole time. Mm. And almost no one will wear elbow pads. Elbow pads. So not a lot of knee injuries. Not like, um, and this race, I've been riding for a long time. I feel like I'm a pretty solid technical rider, and there's not a lot that scares me. This race every year gets me a little scared. It's very rough terrain on some of these trails. I saw one one guy on one of the easier stages smacked his face really good, and I saw him in the EMS tent. I I looked away. He had a really good abrasion on his forehead. Um, did not look pretty. I didn't. I didn't want to see it. Um, not wearing full face. Not wearing full face. I didn't wear a full face for that stage either. <laughs> um, but after that, you wore them for all of them. Uh, on the harder stages, I wore a full face. Mm. Um, and then uh, I saw a guy who they weren't sure if he dislocated his hip or broke his femur, but they had to take him out in a on the trailer of a utv on one of those cage like wilderness stretchers and he was not having a good bumpy yeah, ride down there. he was he was hurting um i heard a guy had a pretty severe back injury on practice day um when i was finishing the day there was a, i walked by katie's like i broke my other wrist i just healed the other one i'm sure i just broke this wrist so i i think i was trying to rough out the rough out the numbers but i think it was something like a 10 percent had some kind of injury that sandra might have known about and a lot of people i'm sure did not go to the ems tent right um but a lot of guys it's between your wrist and your elbow scraping up that part of your arm mm. um and then a lot of people smack in their face were you wearing elbow I did on the very last stage because I knew I'd be tired, and that's one of the hard stages. But, mm. yeah, I'm one of the same. I typically don't use elbow pads. And a lot of elbow pads are on your elbow, not necessarily on your forearm. Right. But I saw a lot of forearm abrasions. When I had my skin cancer thing on my elbow, on my forearm, I got the um, G-form elbow pads that also cover the forearm a little bit. They, mm-hmm. Yeah, they go maybe a third down from your elbow. On me, maybe half. <laughs> um, but... uh I like those, and I, you can wear them under a long sleeve shirt, and no one knows you're wearing them, so you're still shred signaling. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I wonder if wearing elbow pads, though, just that little like change in like position of the forearm relative to the ground actually helps to keep from getting forearm abrasion if you're wearing the mm-hmm. elbow pads. You know, like the elbow yeah. pad, the pad itself is what takes the probably the, not on G form, but unless like you know to focus the energy there or whatever. But. Right. Yeah. It was, 
I think that the, the takeaway that I had is I, I've done downhill races in the past, and these courses were harder and more technical, arguably more dangerous than some downhill races I've been at. And there were a lot of kids wearing like trail, you know, other than a pair of G form knee pads, like lightweight knee pads look like they're going for a trail ride and they're at race pace on really hard terrain. Is G form kind of the knee pad of choice out there? Jamie Lee? Uh, I, you know, I, I can't say that I noticed. I, I ran G forms just for the comfort. Yeah. I, they, they they do fit me pretty well, and I can wear them all day and kind of forget about them. I've been really into my ISX knee pads, and I can pedal in those, and they're definitely more protective seeming than the G-forms. Yeah, I, I've been I've been wanting to give those a try. and um, So I uh, my day job, I work in at a company that makes knee braces, and one of the things they do is they ha- all knee braces have a strap right below your the back of your knee, and they refer to that as a gastroc strap. And if you look at your leg, your leg is tapered like a cone, right? And the only area where your leg tapers back out is right below your knee. So if you have a strap right under your knee and then try to push down, it's actually going to stay up. Mm-hmm. And IXS is one of the few brands that is kind of taking on that gastroc. It's a gastroc strap. And so a lot of the brands try to grip up on your thigh, but your thigh tapers down to your knee. So they always slip. Um, yep, those IXS pads don't slip. IXS pads don't slip at all. Right, and they have a gastroc strap. Gastroc, gastroc, mm. which is the upper part of your calf. I, I'm not bad. Don't, I'm not great on anatomy. Don't look but. at my gastroc. <laughs> um, but it, do these pads make my gastroc look big? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, check out those IXS ones. I think they might surprisingly actually be grabbing onto the right part of the anatomy to keep something up. Now you have to talk about grabbing my anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> Gabbing, grabbing you on the gas truck. Uh, you can't say, when, when you're selling knee pads, you can't say that they're grabbing anatomy. Not that you would be selling knee pads at the path, but when I sell knee pads at the path, I can't can, be like, yeah, these are going to grab you. You can you can use that, though. Anatomy. They they have a gas truck. Oh, I could say what, that. What, what is analogous like, to a gas truck. Nice gas truck. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. Any, I... I'm not a great story. I'll, I'll admit, I'm not a great linear storyteller. Uh, but do you guys have any other questions? Maybe about the people race? just don't understand art. <laughs> I wonder who the first person to walk into the shop and ask for the I- IXS with because it has the gas truck strap is going to be <laughs> <laughs> someone. Some listener already knows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> someone who's that's cool. So, um, so yeah. Overall, it was great. It was it was a fantastic uh, race. I I think there's there's always some kind of like little running joke that we're at a Christian summer camp, and there was a guy um, at the final drop off that had a sign that said "Send it for Satan," <laughs> <laughs> and it was fully bedazzled like like glitter and glue and like a sign you would make in like high school. It was that was comical. Um, there's some, there's a group of guys in, uh, Colorado called rude boy racing and they have these like Rasta style jerseys. And I overheard one of them saying, yeah, there's a new club in Denver. They're called polite boy racing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that yeah. was one of the funniest things I heard all weekend. That's always a good, uh, a kind of a weird cultural phenomenon when there's a club that their name is a reaction to a different club name. Right. Mm-hmm. Like remember the Radless is. 
I think there was even one the called Laguna, the Awesomes. The Laguna, Laguna Radless. Nice. <laughs> Radless. Yeah, I, I think it's a common phenomenon. I don't think the Radless crew had a fire pit. Probably mm, not. That was, their, that was their big mistake. Yeah. And this is all public information. There's Rad- a club Radless. called the Rads. They have a fire pit in Laguna. And why is this public information? Because GT used to have ads that showcase this very phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Man, I it's almost... Not private. I almost did that thing today where you where you comment on someone's social media about how they're being like um not a good um like mount, mountain bike community member like ooh interesting and I didn't so now I will on the podcast instead <laughs> <laughs> There's a local shop that has pictures on Insta of someone on the Crank Brothers drop ooh and it's like I mean yeah it's cool it's a good shot it's a cool spot yeah. Oh, I I have. Can I have one little little, little gripe, little shit talking about the race experience? Sure, do it. Do okay, it. this is your like fire fest moment. Re- yeah, delivered. So, um, Rhino Power is was the title nutrition sponsor for the event, right? And typically, when you go to a race and there's a title nutrition sponsor, they're supplying the aid stations. There's free product, meaning like drink mix, like just drink mix, like. Not like I'm taking like piles of bars or things, but when Cliff Bar shows up, you can go home with handfuls of bars, all the drink mix you want, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, aid station situation at this race had a little bit to be desired. The one aid station that we had was at the top of the first climb, and I'm like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be back down at the staging area in 10 minutes, and I'm gassed, but cool. Thanks for the food <laughs> at the top. Um, but Rhino Power had all their product there drink mix all sorts of stuff so i took some some of that stuff and it's like taste nah. but it's a drink mix i'm like there's some calories in it and it's a liquid i'll go with it um so the second day i'm kind of like planning my stops and i was like oh i know we're gonna go through the staging the main venue like every stage so i finished the first stage get down i walk over to the rhino power tent and they have one of those like big gatorade jugs and i go and i start filling my bottle i was it's like water. oh cool <laughs> no no it's the drink mix and the guy at the tent goes, don't fill your own bottle. And I'm like, ugh, ugh. And then he slaps a sample pack down. He's like, use that instead. I was like, and obviously I was like, okay, well, I'm a, probably the 15th person you've had to tell that to. You seem agitated, but let's think about this for a minute. You're the title sponsor, title nutrition sponsor, and you fueled day one aid station. I'm not being a dick. This is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say that to him? Uh, no, I just like, I, I mean, it's one of those situations where you always w- wish you had the right things to say like 15 minutes later. But I just kind of like, look, I was like, Ugh. and I, but it was also just one of those. I'm like, I'm a paying customer. You're the title sponsor. Can you please not reprimand me like a child? Like, and, and by the way, like, I think the whole idea is that. Wow, they gave out Rhino Power products so the whole weekend, and I really that, like it. What's that jug for? Fillings. Apparently, it's just they had like I noticed they had little shot glass sized plastic uh, uh, cups for sampling. It's, it's just for sampling, but I think if you're at a race, the sample or trying is if your body responds well to it over the weekend, not if it tastes good. Because I'll tell you what, it doesn't taste good. Yeah. Also, it definitely doesn't taste good if you're like wanting to Yelling give them the middle finger already. Exactly. Yeah, and so I was. I mean, I'm sure Rhino Power makes whatever product. Like, 
I mean, the reality of the nutrition business is it probably all comes out of the same co-packer and it's rebranded, blah, 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 right? But um, I was, I, I think the thing that surprised me is like, you're here to market your product. You're the title nutrition sponsor. All the racers coming by are not just mooching product. We're confused. So don't be a dick. I think a lot of times what you ha- what you're seeing is there's some like like near minimum wage person representing the brand there, it, right? And they're like they're could not be. invested and they don't care, and they don't they don't care if you like Rhino. Well, like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's also they might care less than I do if you like Rhino. Like, couldn't the no- the non minimum wage person who gave that individual direction have provided? a little clearer expectation like hey it's cool if the racers filled their bottles up i'm just saying like as a tip to rhino maybe like pay more attention to who is on your front lines and like maybe it might cost more to get someone who cares or or, or you might have to like communicate with them or right. and yeah. i would just say like communicate with that that person doesn't care if you fill if you filled 15 bottles if the manager yeah. said look let people take as much as you want the whole point is I fall in love with the product right, exactly. and I buy it for the next four years. Right. You know, not that I got free four free bottles over right. a weekend of racing. That four years. That's an interesting gonna... number. Like just an arbitrary like high school career. It was ar- it was kind of arbitrary. Maybe that's it was a... a arbitrary college career, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Like, it could be. <laughs> but I it was just like I've been to many races where Cliff Barr's been a title sponsor. Take whatever like you budget, you're like, oh, Cliff's here. I got to run by the cliff tent in the morning and load up. And they're more than happy. They just keep refilling the buckets. They're like, yeah, take See, it, love it, buy proper, it. Proper exp- explanation to the minimum wage worker there. It's like, look, let people take as much as you as they want. And y- your job at $10 an hour or 12 or $15 an hour is to keep it stocked. Yeah. Well, and this guy, he might have been having a lot of roles. He was like a mechanic. He was like working uh, on a bike and like, but I'm also like, you're the... Like I said, I definitely got the feeling I was like the fifteenth person he had snapped at. Like, a good one to have ready for that situation is just like, "You mad, bro?" <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely didn't like how the product tasted. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> and your huh. shit tastes bad. <laughs> yeah, but it was. It was also after I I went through a Saturday where I was just complete like, and so there's a phenomenon. Uh, like I said, my Saturday was pretty pretty slow going i was pretty fatigued now there's one of two things one everybody was having a tough day because i was hearing a lot of complaints or two i was dogging so much i was falling in the back group where the complainers live (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure what exactly happened and then you came on rhino power (laughs) (laughs) but we were commiserating (laughs) right 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 um and uh, historically, they'd had some some aid stations, and the aid stations were not there on the hard day. Mm. And I was like, run it. Like, my friend Pete was there, and I was like, I, I he's like, how you doing, dude? I was like, not so great. I was like, you got any water? And uh, he he gave me like half a water bottle out of his Camelback, or maybe about three quarters. That was a lifesaver. Thank you, Pete. That was amazing. Pete, why didn't you give him a whole bottle? <laughs> <laughs> Well, when I look at the title sponsor list at the event, I saw Yeti, I saw Fox, I saw Rhino Power. I didn't see Pete. Pete. (laughs) (laughs) My buddy Pete. (laughs) So what, what, uh, I presume you're wearing a convertible full face? No, actually, um, I recently got a, um, 
uh, Troy Lee stage oh, yeah. helmet. Really stoked. That was super nice. Um, so I like the convertible. I, I'm a big fan of the Switchblade. My gripe is it's a little bit... It's pretty closey compared to these new... Like the Fox Pro frame or the stage. Those mm-hmm. are much more open and airy. And uh, it's the Switchblade's a little heavy. I love the functionality of the Switchblade. I, but with these other competitors mm. i think they're lighter and more airy so i i used the the um, the stage and i was super impressed i i really liked it super comfortable very light um had a nice big opening it never kicked my breath back into me when i was breathing hard and the jaw is in a position where i can kind of scoot it down and drink out of a water bottle is really nice you were running the bell super dh for a little bit i am still i have that helmet i'm probably going to bring it with me to canada this summer mm. that's the convertible right yep the the new the newver the second generation yeah the one that kind of has like a three D rip off thing going on with like um like a it's more than MIPS it's like two different foam layers and one of them moves against the other nice um, there yeah. was a fair amount of those out there too I saw a lot of people wearing those and then they had the thing like on hooked on their fanny pack you know the jaw yeah. or something like I that. feel pretty safe in that helmet I, like yeah. and it's pretty airy and breathable. I like it both in the half shell configuration and the f- full face config. That that might be something worth trying, but I, I was super happy. I mean, and I also like I'm a, I like the styling on the Troy Lee. I think yeah, they, the styling is yeah. really good. My I'm on the A2 MIPS right now for my half lid, and I really like that mm-hmm. helmet. Oh, nice. Yeah, I also have a A2. Um, my uh, my mom lives in Laguna, and there's a Troy Lee boutique there, so I get a Troy Lee helmet every Christmas. It's really nice. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I was thinking about going on their shop ride sometime. Oh yeah, they, they do. do. Yeah, yeah. How how do people find that? Probably go on their website. I don't know. Yeah, something. So the there's Rams. a Troy Lee boutique in Laguna, and they have like a weekly or monthly or something ride. Um, so it might be worth checking out. But yeah, I I think their design, like their their helmet shape, is really, really good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I use that helmet. Really happy with it. Um, I was trying to think if I used anything else that was new and exciting. Um, Patagonia shorts. I didn't. I wore my Mission Workshop shorts most mm. of the days. Um, you still big on those? Yeah, I really like those. I have one pair, and I just that's one of my favorite. It just the cut. You know, it's one of those things where like the size and the cut just really fit me. Um, yeah. They make your gas drop look good. <laughs> <laughs> they showcase my amongst gas other drop. things. <laughs> Um, oh, I did use the Patagonia um, Endless Ride bibs. I've been really stoked with those. Nice. Mm. Those are super comfortable. I wish they'd make it without the chamois. Oh, uh, yeah, you guys. Use guys. <laughs> you have fun with that. So uh, what did you put in the the pockets? What does it got in those pockets? Uh, on, on the shorts or? In the Endless Ride. Oh, I did, so they do have bit po- I didn't put anything in those mm. pockets. Um, I did use my Patagonia um, Nine Trails pack on the first day because it's got the little side pockets. Mm-hmm. So historically, I've been using a running vest for enduro races, but this one's because it's got the side pockets. I could put a little couple of like a plug kit and a CO two in those pockets. So if I needed to go quick, I could grab that. Um, trying to think if there's anything else I did funky or different this time. Um, Man, backpacks really are your purpose. goggles or glasses. Goggles only for the very last stage. With Most, your full face? I was running glasses with a full face a lot. Yeah, I know. 
I know. This is why the kids shouldn't listen to me anymore. I'm not cool. I am not cool. You can take my silence as a witty comeback. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm coming of that age where there's certain things that I just pick on practicality. To be a certain age. I'm getting to be a certain age. <laughs> you kids, you kids, and your goggles. Not even close, Nathan. <laughs> You're not even close. Oh, uh, there's well, a Nathan's a certain age. He is uh, a certain. Age. I am a certain age. I am a certain age. Um, I must be way past that certain age. <laughs> well, you're, a, you're, you're, you're a certain age as well. I am way past that certain age. You know, there's there's a thing at these enduro races where there's some really strong kids. There's some very strong style things happening that are, one what, cannot avoid. What are some of those? Oh, fanny some packs pe- and matching jerseys and open face helmets and so, shreddies. So I don't know. Everywhere and wearing fanny packs. Full of range of thread signaling. Everyone's making yeah. a fashion statement. Yeah. I had a customer come in the other day and drop the, I'm not making a fashion statement. <laughs> 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 nice. That's awesome. Um, the one that cracks me up is, is when the kids are t- like on that 3,000 foot climb. I see guys with no pack and a water bottle stuffed in their waistband underneath their shirt. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, dude. Like, you can't really it's that important like you have fun with that form over function oh, and is I, that form i think that's a whole lot of nothing but that's oh, it's just a me. nothing burger yeah it's a nothing burger that's kids on my lawn yeah mm-hmm. there seems to be a thing with the uh the this is the new call and i think we've all heard it you y-e-w that's that's the new thing. It's you know I feel like um, Luke was pioneering that in like 2005. It was cool then, and, maybe. But I like the Luke version has a little bit more of like a throaty, like gar- almost like a yodel to it, like a you. <laughs> oh yeah, that like would a be a little better. bit more Kermit the Frog. Mm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I can I can get behind that because it's more guttural and like it's um it's like a noise you might actually make out of pure Stoke. Oh nice like, you. Like, <laughs> yeah, I can appreciate that. Yeah. I I can't believe I went to a mountain bike race and I'm compar- I'm complaining about these damn whippersnappers. What what happened? People yep. making inappropriate exclamations of joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here 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 was my I'm I'm getting to a certain age move and and I will have to apologize for my um, allegiance to the path. Normally I always race in a path jersey. My friend woke up Sunday morning. He had a Cutters t-shirt. Mm. And I think if we've all seen Breaking Away, mm-hmm. we know what the Cutters reference is. Well, we know. Um, so I'm like, dude, I, uh, are you not wearing that today? He's like, no. I'm like, I think I need to borrow that. Uh, now, if I would have gotten on the podium by some stroke of luck, I would have been wearing a Cutters. I would have been, no, I'd have been putting on the Path jersey. But I, uh, there was a number of people who were like, ah, cool jersey, man. They were all also of a certain age. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just a white t-shirt in true cutter's form. I just had a customer text me. This customer <laughs> This customer bought the top shelf 2019 Spark RC with 12 speed XTR. Nice. And they texted me the link from uh I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're just wondering if they have the right drivetrain, but it's like a link to the new SLX and XT drivetrains. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Anyways. 
Good stuff. Um, so yeah, any other questions about this debacle, this race, this phenomenon? It made you realize that you are of a certain age. I'm, I am getting to be a certain age. But I was. Have you noticed any changes? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Other than migration of hair, (laughs) gravity might be catching up in any areas. Uh, (laughs) A little bit. Um, You've got a dad bod, and you're not a dad. Oh, I hope not. Oh man. No, I am still a spry racer. Um, No, it's a fun experience. Hats off to BME. I mean, I. I think those guys know how to put on a solid event. Um, their timing system was working great, and it was live they updating. They have a new chip system, and it live updates, too. And you don't have to, like, come back it's to in your the, number plate? or No, it's a wristband. Um, and uh, so, actually, you don't even really need a number plate. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a wristband, and you go over some wires on the ground, and it picks you up. And oh, it's not satellite. It's wires. It's wires, but then there's guys at the stages with cell phones that I think are linked to that system, and then those communicate back to the server. And so then they update. know if you cut the course? No, they just know your timestamp. And without number plates, they wouldn't know who's cutting the course if someone cut the course. Um, They're probably... Yeah, it's, it, there's no other sensors other than so the start like and the end. So it's a full system. As far as staying on course, Yes. But I can't honestly think of a lot of places you even could cut the course. Like, I, I can't even there think of There are ways, dude. You don't want to know. <laughs> there are ways. Believe me. Yeah, the live update timing right now. Yeah. That technology is, is amazing. Yeah. It's just it's some kind of chip, and then it goes yeah. into the server, and it just lets you know, hey, this person. The expectation on these timing systems now, it's like we go to the track meets and cross-country meets, and on these track meets, the expectation is that there will be live updates as the races are finishing. And if yeah. it's not, maybe people of a certain age like me <laughs> are like, seriously? Yeah. Like where, where are, like what kind of timing system do you have? Yeah. Well, I, what happened to like stopwatches and a chalkboard? Yeah. Forget it. That's yeah. I, when I'm I was of a certain age where that's how I remember it. Yeah. When I was doing enduro motorcycle races, maybe like, Oh God, it may have almost been ten years ago at this point. Um, it was uh, card and pens and watches, and you'll get your results in a week. That's yeah. that's how that rolled. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you got a you got a carbon copy of your scorecard, so if you wanted to calculate it, you could and compared to your buddies. But that was about it. Um, but yeah, these live timing systems work great. Um, they're quite protective of their, uh, transponders. If you don't turn them in, you're threatened with a $150 penalty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, so BME had a, some new system this year that provided the live updates. Mm. Normally you, you would go out and so what it used to be was the information was stored on your chip and you had to come back with your chip and key in and then it would update oh, the system. Now the system the data your chip is just it's putting the data onto the For sure. the ti- the yeah. start and the stop and then that's storing the data and sending it to the mm-hmm. server mm-hmm. versus the data being stored on your chip. Yeah, and then anyone with the link to the website is watch can watch you real time. Correct. How you're, yeah, how yeah. You're doing. My my girlfriend in California was watching. He, she was letting me know how I was doing via text. Yeah. So when we start, when I start my slalom series, there'll be a big scoreboard with where the scores come up right away. With people on chalkboards. Nice. 
people with chalk. <laughs> yeah. Stop a watches. giant, a giant with a chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. A giant of a certain age. <laughs> yeah. I know some giants of certain ages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Long time path folks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Tons of Yetis out there because they're strong in Colorado. Um, what else was there a lot of out there? A lot of Santa Cruz's, a lot of Mega Towers, surprisingly, a lot of Scott Ransoms. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, what bike one? Uh, Yeti. SB150 or SB. Yeah, the new ones, the 150s, yeah. Some kind of super bike. Yep. And then um, trying to think of what else was. A fair amount of pivots. I saw quite a few big birds. Um, a lot of intenses, um, like carbines. Saw a fair amount of carbines. Um, but yeah, a lot of Santa Cruzes, nomads, um, mega towers. What was the weirdest thing you saw? Uh, like bike wise? Yeah. Um, <laughs> or otherwise. <laughs> or otherwise. That's going to be the next question now. Um, you know, I can't say there was any poll re- any polls I, I think there was a guy there because i saw it on the poll instagram but i didn't actually see the guy there and i think he had a machine um anyone like internal like uh gearbox stuff or anything no i didn't see any gearbox so a fair amount of access stuff more than i thought um let's see yeah that's, uh, nothing nothing too wild i mean any word on your polls? Ooh, hold and, on, end of the month. Bicycles, yeah. I should get my first one end of June. Nice. They're starting to make them, allegedly. <laughs> Don't ask questions. You'll get it when you get it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my my friend, he I told him I was getting this. He's like, he's like, is this crowdfunded? And I was like, no, Each- it's pre-order, and you have to pay up front. I was like... I, yeah, I guess it's crowdfunded. Each frame <laughs> Basically, is cr- yeah. yep, that's right. Basically, yes. But they need to wait until they get a number of frame orders and cash before they go make them. Um, I think this one. I think with poll they were for sure going to make them, but it, I think they had a good blog post. They explained their whole structure, but yeah, I should get them eventually. Nice. Um, but yeah, so. Good, good time. Uh, I think there's 430 racers. Ooh, nice. At this event, and the summer camp is so big. It actually, even that with, let's say, there's about 600 people there with staff and guests and things. Maybe call it 800. Still, that camp looks relatively empty. I mean, I'm sure this place like runs like 4,000 kids once the summer gets going. Is the race? Is there a cap on how many racers they'll they'll take? They did. It sold out. So whatever number they raced was their their limit. Their max. Yeah. I don't know if that's timing or permit or what the camp... Will, I, I don't know what the limitation is. I'd imagine it might be projected timing of getting everybody through. Um, They did split the racers up. Um, they had an A group and a B group, and they started on different stages to keep the day flowing. So they didn't have to run 400 people all through the same, sure. same thing. So half of the people went to one stage to start, and half the people went to the other, and then, you know, just different order. Since this was summer camp, could you request a friend in your group? <laughs> no, not quite. Not quite. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was pretty solid. I, there was a, everybody's like, hey, you get free lunch after this. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not free. It's included. Right. <laughs> that was not free. There is literally nothing as a free lunch. Like, I, I've actually come to, at a certain age, realize 
I hate lunch meetings, like where people oh. schedule lunch meetings and they're like, but you got a free lunch out of it. I say, I gave up my half hour or, or an hour lunch to spend it working with you for a $10 sandwich. And you call Hawk that, has his finger raised. And you call that free? <laughs> what is free about this? <laughs> no, yeah. no. Lunch was included. Lunch was included free. in my working hours. And now I <laughs> still go home at the same time. Like, what's... I don't get it. I would have rather spent my hour working by myself, eating my lunch at my desk. Yeah. It would have been more productive. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, free lunch. I love it. Yeah, there is right. such a thing, though. I. It depends how you define free. Well, what if... Um, you come by my house at just the right time, and um, you were coming there anyway, and I'm like, hey, I'm making hamburgers on my barbecue. You want one? There is... I, I'll go with that. I agree. There are there are truly, truly altruistic lunches. Yeah. I'm not even talking about altruistic. I'm maybe lucky. That's because fair. I actually like cooking burgers for friends, so it's not altruistic. Yeah. We're nice. really showing our like weird, like, <laughs> right. philosophically libertarian all... underpinnings right now. You're right. <laughs> You're so, right. There's a, a this is a slightly related, slightly unrelated, or um, like sorry when I uh, when we go grab beers and someone volunteers to pay. I truly think like well, so not when, all the time, but say like when Joe Graney took me out on the side by side in um, Moab and the. Um, cooler went flying off the back of the side by side and was lost forever mm. someone got free beer <laughs> that's true <laughs> that is, it, that, wasn't, it, it wasn't altruism that's right. and it wasn't communism <laughs> about as free as it gets it was bad suspension and bad securing on an off-road vehicle <laughs> uh, or just pinning it yeah all right sorry nathan i interrupted oh, you i i was gonna say if uh, there's a really great uh, it's a podcast, but there's also a, like a YouTube recording of it. It's Kevin Pollock's <laughs> podcast. He does an interview with Drew Carey. I think it's fantastic. And one of the things that uh, Drew Carey mentions is, and this is in Hollywood, but I think it applies to other things. He's like, if uh, someone takes you to lunch in Hollywood, uh, enjoy the lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, everybody's always trying to, you know, you think something's going to come over everything. It's like, just enjoy the food. Mm. Um. Because they're going to be pitching you something. Right. Well, you're going to hope you're going to get a role. I think his point was like, you think it's going to roll into the next big project, but there's so many lunches that happen that uh, are, you know, nothing comes of them. So enjoy the lunch. Yeah. Uh, So there's anything else on the race? uh, I don't think so. Unless you you guys have any other questions. How is the female participation? Um, I think it was relatively low. Um, I think it still hovers around, I think it was, I think it was relatively low. How about kids? Do you see those? Sorry. Did you see a lot of youngins like under 16 young? Yeah. How about under, well, under 16 young? Yeah. How about men of a certain age? Uh, (laughs) fair amount of men of a certain age. I I feel like you're not even of a certain age, dude. I I know. I know. No, I, you know what? I I think it's because there's a much stronger contingency of kids between say like 14 and 18 racing and they're all really fast and really quite, um, risk. Uh, they're not risk averse. They're not risk averse. Risk embracing. Risk embracing. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a fair amount of women, but, I still think it's like 
it's got to be under 10%, maybe close to 5%. Wow. So meaning there was 40 to 20 to 40 wow. women racing in a 400 Plus, yeah, person 40, field. Yeah. But, I, you know, uh, so I had this conversation with my, um, I'm sure I'm going to step on some toes with this. Yeah, but careful, I, Nathan. I know. I need to stay in my lane. Um, <laughs> there, uh, I think that, let, I'll rephrase You this. should just start I with boys and girls can like trucks when they're young. They can. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, but I'll, I'll rephrase this. I think uh, mountain bike racing, the enduro format, is a really cool format. But I think at a race like this, it is not welcoming to beginners. Uh, I will keep it that way. It's not welcoming to beginners. Um, it has a certain level of entry that are just to get through the courses that you have to be competent and not scared out of your wits. So this is not... These are not races for beginners or, or entry-level riders, let's say. Um, and uh, so I think that has implications for where you are skill-wise mm. and, and your your risk aversion or, or whatever. Um, I think there's, there's probably some easier races out there, but I, I think the enduro format is great for all racers, even entry-level racers. If the I think... But they sold out, so they, you know it's not like they need to get more racers into the into the fray. Right. And this this is an elite regional race. This isn't a little local race, so it is what it is. But the courses are, I mean, they're scary for me. Yeah, I've been riding for over twenty years. Yeah, cool. So <laughs> Tony's smiling because he knows I'm just digging my grave. <laughs> no, no, I was thinking of horrible things to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was picturing all the worst things to say, uh, which I won't say. Yeah, I I think it's it, it's it's a very tough course, and it's not beginner friendly by by a long shot. Did you see? So we're, we were talking like numbers of racers and younger racers and types of bikes that you saw out there. Did you guys see that pink bike article that had the statistics on opening weekend at Whistler? I did. Yeah, something I, jump out at you? No, I just thought it was really interesting that that someone's attempting to keep statistics on yeah. on those metrics. The girl participation's rising. Yeah. I think I, mean, I, I saw that trending over the last three years. It was like right around 20%. I 17. thought it was like close to 30 or 40. 30, wow, okay. Which is great. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's kind of an interesting, interesting way to... Like show what's because a lot of people I think about that a lot. Huh? Wonder what bikes are out there. I wonder what. Yeah. Whatever you know. Um, I would almost be more interested in a study on, a, or I'd be really interested in a study on what is the demographic of opening day versus other days. Mm. Interesting. Like, I wonder if they have that. Like all of it. Like, I mean, there's a reason they picked opening day. Maybe. Yeah. That's as I think in Canada, that's a our Canada mountain bikers Whistler open for the summer is kind of a big marker. Yeah, but the people who go out on opening weekend may or are may not of be a certain thing. of a certain mindset. <laughs> Maybe of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're the ones I mean who are like waiting for it to open. Mm, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I could see that. You know what I did kind of Oh, I don't know if this is an age it, age category. Has it always been so? 
talking about of a certain age, has it always been that, say, in the sport class at Over the Hump, that the top riders in that youngest, younger age sport bracket are kind of 14, 15, 16-year-old pinners? Because I think it's, it's... No, that's new, and that's from that's from NICA. That's impressive. That's my, my kind of, like, um, anecdotal and gut level. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. Yeah. I wonder how the enduro kids are, because I saw some ripper enduro kids in that age group. If if they're coming out of some... Ver- Is NICA national? More, I mean, I think there's holes where it doesn't exist yet, but it is um, coast to coast. Is it? Does it exist in Colorado? Because I think eighty yeah, percent of the people so. at this race were Coloradians. I think so. And it, I don't know. That probably resonates. You know, usually the uber fast cross country kids are also really good down or cross uber fast cross country people. They they can downhill too often. Right. So, like, you can't be in the elite of the cross country without having downhill skills. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, should we move on to other other news? Yeah, sorry I chewed up an hour of our you time. You should have done that. That was good. Yeah. That was awesome. Thank you for the yeah. chewing well, up an hour of the time. That's Well, that Nathan, is... thanks for the update on the <laughs> Big Mountain Enduro. <laughs> Santa Fe. Dios mío, man. So, man, I, I saw a really cool bike when i walked into nathan's place today flesh tower yes <laughs> fry sauce tower <laughs> fry sauce tower i'm pretty psyched on my new belt that i brought over and i br- i unloaded it from i did something i would normally not do which is i unloaded it from my van <laughs> you brought it and, and then you unloaded it to run in order to the... showcase it in nathan's living room i mean that's that kind of takes a lot to I don't know if we've ever seen that. It, it is really this is cool. Odd, odd behavior. It is. But welcome. Welcome behavior. Yeah. So it's kind of walk us through some of the highlights. Fry sauce, you said you said it from the get go. So it's that it's the color of ranch and ketchup mixed together. Oh, fry sauce. And so I'm this. told they only made a hundred of that color. Oh. Is that right? That's right. I've got the XX1 AXS on there. And in doing my kind of um, setup ritual, I learned a little more about AXS. Okay. The first thing I was really excited to realize was that, so my bike came with a 150 dropper post. Okay. And I put it all the way in and measured my seat height. And it was roughly... A little over, like right about just over 20 millimeters lower than my seat height. Mm. I did some quick math and, and realized, realized if a 170 will go most of the way in, I can, for the first time in my life, run a 170 dropper post Gosh. on my 29 and a half inch oh, inseam. Oh, Nelly. So I went and, I went and pulled a 170 drop re, reverb AXS and yeah. it went, it was about five millimeters from Hilted when I pushed it all the way in. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually was able to pull it up like a few millimeters from my saddle height that I want to be at. Man. So first time I ever get to run a 170. Not also, fully Hilted. Not quite Hilted. Yeah. I mean, you could you could pretty much call it Hilted. Like, it's yeah. pretty much splitting hairs. Yeah. Um, 
I really so the clamp mechanism on the AXS reverb is like the side, like a bolt on the side that like clamps on to the rails, which is a design I kind of generally don't like, especially when that's also locking down the um, nose tilt rotation. Correct. Yeah, it's usually a conical friction fit, right? System. Which is just bad. Like, and that's what I thought when I first saw like, the first pictures. Like smother it in friction paste and over torque it and then still it'll move sometimes yeah hope for the best um but this is not that not so it's so it looks like that and it functions like that for replacing the saddle except it's super easy to replace the saddle yeah you just loosen those bolts and the saddle slides right off and then like there's none of that like like i i always feel like changing a saddle on Hmm. a lot of seat post clamps Mm -hmm. kind of brings out my inner like didn't work on bikes enough lately (laughs) <laughs> right. But this one didn't do that. And then the nose tilt rotation is a different bolt. And it, act, it it's like, I imagine it's like turning an internal cam or something where you turn the bolt and it actually set, like, micro adjusts the, the le- leveling of the saddle. Like a little rack and pinion or something like that. Yeah. All internal that you can't see what's going on in there. That is, that is when Tawny told me that, I was super excited because... Not since I think maybe race face have I has there been a like the old race face seat post has been there one where it decouples the adjustment. Right. And I love that. Yeah, and you really were excited. I yes, we should have been podcasting. It yeah, was, that was I. Awesome. I think the two bolt design is tried and true, but the two degrees of freedom are tied, and you kind of lose your tilt adjustments ever so slightly when you go to adjust the rail. I I love that it's decoupled. It's nice. It's love just it. nice to work on. Yeah, yeah. and then. The pairing was really simple. You know, you push two buttons and they pair up and download the app, which I think is kind of cool. And you can see like battery life and stuff on the app. That's awesome. Yeah, um, battery life is great to be able to see that. I felt like the actuators, the shifter and the dropper post actuator were kind of crowding the bars. Yeah. So I flipped the perches around, like put the right perch on the left and the left perch on the right. So they're to the inside instead of to the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if you have fat hands or just like space on your bars, it's worth it to me to have to reach a little bit for the actuator to, to not Mm. have, to not ever feel that actuator when I'm doing my thing right on the bike, like riding downhill. It is nice to, to have that adjustment. I'm not sure that I would run it like that. Right. You don't run your controls in as far as I do in general. Correct. Have have you ridden off-road and shifted it yet? No, but I've ridden in. And like evaluated like wrist um, position changes during shifts. It's really, okay. really, really solid. Um, I I was wondering how the prepent like the lightness of the shifter action if it could you could actually get jostled and do double shifts. My impression is that's not going to happen. Okay. Or not much. Yep. Um. Let's see any other AXS stuff that I noticed. So the, I mean, the thing on the seat post is the overall lengths are shorter, which is yeah. a big part of why I can run a one seventy. Right, it doesn't and, need a little cable reduction mechanism in yep, the bottom. Right, that's part of it. But I think the overall length of even the post itself is shorter. Mm. Nice. Um, batteries are easy to change around and put, take on and off. Are they interchangeable between the Everb and the? And the um, derailleur? Yes. That's cool. That is really cool. Right. So you can, they're pretty small and light, and eventually you'll be able to buy a spare and keep it in your pocket. But 
Like, yeah, if you run one out, like say, for example, you ran your Everb battery out and you had a long descent ahead, you could take the battery off of your derailleur, lower your seat post, and then put the battery back on the derailleur. Yeah. That's awesome. And did did you guys already mention that the cable system looks like a single speed? Yeah. I mean, just no, we didn't, but yeah, totally. Yeah. That's all you see. Two brake hoses. Super clean. Yep. That's pretty awesome. I think all the brands are going to start shipping with, uh, like, for their frames, they're going to have, like, plugs for the holes. Like, right. nicely molded plugs. Well, I have a fantasy that someday there's going to be a top-shelf frame that doesn't have cable routing for a derailleur. Ooh. Or a dropper post. Like, it's going to be kind of similar to the first time we saw a bike that didn't have a front derailleur mount. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could see that. And, I mean, I imagine you're going to be able to have a lighter, stiffer bike if you don't have that routing. Yeah. Overall, or cheaper, or something. Yeah, pick one. Lighter, cheaper. Yeah, stiffer. Pick one. <laughs> this weekend, when I was at the race, I saw like an old, like a twenty-six older bike, and I glanced over it. The thing had an everb on it. Nice. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I was like, they probably knew somebody, like industry someone. They're like, I can't put a dropper post. It doesn't have the routing. They're like, I got a solution oh for you. Gosh. Or they're a real one of those 26 for life people. Uh, quite possibly. Skipped a whole generation. Yeah. The whole. Oh, man. <laughs> it looked pretty wild. Some of the other little changes I made, I'm running my saddle a little bit higher than I normally would because the steeper seat angle and the forward seat position. Right. And it's really interesting to see how far forward you have that. I'm, I'm, I'm experimenting with Nathanology. Hmm. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Slam it forward, call it a day. Yeah. Um, it is pretty far forward. Yeah. So far, I, I've been liking Nathanology on these bikes that have everything else set up right for that. And it actually opens up my hip angle, which takes some pressure off my bad ankle, too. Right. Okay. Um, so that's cool. Um. I've been really into removing the levers, like the maxle type lever bolts, yes. and replacing them with like a Robert axle or like a mm-hmm. meaning a, 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 a screw, a tool, yeah. a tool oh. style axle bolt. Got so it. much. I feel like those lever, those toolless levers, just look so cheesy. Like so. Yeah, I mean it's a little lighter without it too, and maybe one less thing to hit on a rock, but yeah, it just looks so much cleaner to me. Mm-hmm. Um. The Mega Tower has the, I think Specialized might have been the first, but I think maybe it was multiple people working on this where it's like a some kind of very interrupted surface for the chainstay slap. Right. To knock down the noise. That seems to be a lot of brands That's are picking that up. Now. Yeah. It's, it's quiet. It's really quiet. Yeah. And a lot of people are making their own with like sticky padded tape or something like that. Yeah. What kind of wheels do you have on that? I'm running our Crank Brothers demo wheels right now because I think I'm going to probably... I really want to try the Zip Moto wheels. Mm. Yeah. That's that's something I'm really curious and fascinated about. And um, I still might end up running the reserves that came with the bike if I end up not loving the Zip Moto wheels after I... Yeah. I'm, but I also wanted to try those Crank Brothers wheels. I've tried them on 27 and a half, but I think their whole tuning story to me... Probably might be um, more more noticeable on twenty nine because of the bigger bigger wheels. Maybe have more of a stiffness story. It might be a a bigger piece of the overall flex from your hands to the ground, hands and feet to the ground. Yeah. 
Well, making a, a making a wheel stiffer in a meaningful way on a twenty nine er might be a bigger difference. Yeah, and then also, if you want to make a wheel less stiff on twenty nine, I think you can go further with that. Maybe that uh, seems to make logical sense. Um, what else? Uh, I think I think I'm cheerful enough to rock that color. We'll see. It's I'm not fast enough, but I'm gonna try to. I'm going to try to get by on my smile. I mean, at first glance, you're like, you have a pink bike. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. I I remember hearing, and some yeah. history buff can probably tell me, is that I think at some point in World War II, there was some division or something that figured out that pink in the like African desert was like the best camouflage color, like just Weird. blended in. There's some phenomenon to that. So Pink camo. I think it was just like straight up pink. Wow. Like pink blended in in the desert like crazy. So if you happen to do, take a desert ride before the be summer gets too to, hot, yeah. be careful don't lose not your to bike. Your bike around. <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> lose it. Okay, I'm sure some history buff can tell me. Like some German division figured out pink blended in the best. Rommel's troops or something. I don't know. Well, and I'm really excited to at some point mullet this thing and and take it to Big Bear or somewhere. Yeah, run it in the high position. We've been getting a number of listener comments and questions about their mullet experiments, and a lot of people stoked on mulleting. I'm 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 engaged in a small mullet experiment, as you guys saw in the garage. So tell us more. Uh, so go on for um, my girlfriend's bike. She's relatively short, uh, and uh, I she has an affinity for the look of an evil, and so I was shopping around, and found a really good deal on an. Um, used first generation evil following and i knew um, there was a local good rider here in orange county that has a mulleted evil following so it's a 29 base frame a 120 uh frame and he's running a 27.5 rear and i was like oh well she likes an evil um, I found a small, it was a small 29 at a good deal. I think we've had discussions about kind of like the resale market and sizing and stuff like that. So I'm building that up for her with a, uh, 27.5 rear wheel on an evil following first gen frame and a 140 fork and 29 front wheel. Sick. And it looks really cool. <laughs> it's, it's it. coming together now. I finally just, uh, I'm in the process of building it this week. Have you kind of mapped out how much slacker seat angle is going to end up? I, you know, so for her height, I'm not as worried about the seat tube angle. I was more worried about the bottom bracket height. And so I was kind of mapping that out and did a little math on it and made sure I'm running like 170 cranks. And how much lower is it going to be? Um, I think if I remember correctly, I think so. Most of the time, if you take a 29 and put 27.5 wheels on it, the bike will drop 20 millimeters. This bike normally comes back with a. Th- 130 millimeter fork i'm putting 140 so that's and if you do the bias call that that's 10 millimeters higher on the front let's call it maybe four millimeters higher on the bottom bracket i am then going to run it in the high position which adds another four millimeters or so four or five millimeters so now okay follow me i'm up nine from stock position Mm -hmm. but i'm putting the 27.5 on the rear so that's down about 14 so it's about a net five down 
At the bottom bracket. At the bottom bracket, roughly. I'm just kind of roughing this out. And basically, what the thing to remember is when the rear wheel drops, that is closer to the bottom bracket and drops it a greater percentage. So call it like a 60-40-70-30 split about that, about influence front and rear on the bottom bracket. Yeah, at least. And uh, so my guess is it's going to be about five millimeters lower than stock, and she's running 175 cranks, so her foot-to-ground clearance should be about, I mean, negligibly... Two or three million. She's running one seventy cranks. Correct. Yeah. Um, but the head angle and seat angle are probably like half a degree slacker or something. No, I would much slacker. Maybe a degree. Maybe a degree. Uh, but I'm not too worried about the seat angle because she's relatively short, and so the swing. Yeah, I'm with you. The translation, the actual mm-hmm. horizontal translation, will be relatively small. And the head angle, slacker the better. <laughs> like. I want it slacker, in theory. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit of an experiment, and so we'll see how it goes. But every once in a while, you find, like, it, because it was a small 29er first gen, they're kind of blowing them. Like, you know, the price, I was like, yeah, that price is pretty good. I'll tell you, out of everything used I've ever gotten, this sometimes you just get lucky. And I was like, man, this thing looks brand new. I was stoked. And it looks cool. The the evil industrial design does look cool. So, should we remind people about evil? We can get you an evil. Yeah, yeah. If if you're interested in evil, the path is an evil dealer. We'll call up our buddy Nate up at evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know, sometimes you just like a bike because of how it looks. So I was trying to accomplish this. It does look cool. Yeah. The the mulleting's subtle. Like twenty seven five twenty nine, you have to have you have to see it at the right angle and kind of have a trained eye to notice it. Most yeah. people I sent a picture to my friend who is an engineer in the bike industry and it, he's like, Oh, that looks cool. And I was like, Yeah, it's a mini mullet. And he's like, Oh dude, I missed that. Like he saw the picture and didn't pick up on it mm-hmm. right away. Especially if the picture's from the front or back because it warps the perspective straight on, size. on straight on side shot. Yeah. And he he, he missed it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's fairly subtle. Man, so some cool exciting bikes going on. Yeah, it's fun. Like Fry sauce, high mega tower, evil. Yeah. So uh Yeah. Oh, just a, a shout out to uh speaking of mullets and the BME, shout out to Lenny in Los Alamos, New Mexico. He's got a mullet. Um and uh, the BME was his first enduro, and he finished in one piece. Nice, very impressive. Um, little side note conversation I had with him: he scratched his stanchion mm. and uh, on his fork. And one of the things I told him is, "Hey, and I- I'm curious if you guys agree with me on this: um, m- more modern cartridge-style forks." Scratching the stanchion is not as big of a deal as it used to be. Um, there's just a very little bit of oil in the legs that the seals actually keep back. Um, scratch it, buff it out, and it's really not that big of a deal. It was, I think it was more of a deal when we had open, open bath forks and tons of oil circulating, and, and that would create kind of an oil mess. Um, not so much anymore. So... I would say if you scratch your stanchion on a modern fork, say, you know, Pike or a Lyric or Fox 36 or Fox 34, um, 
don't uh, beat yourself up too much. Just buff it out and okay. call it a day. Okay, so there's two things with a scratch tension. One is if it's going to cut the fork seal. And right. your thing about buffing it out is going to address that. Yep. The other is if it's an, if it is a deep enough indentation to carry fluid past the seal. Right. Where, where like fluid gets into the indentation, travels in the indentation from inside the fork to outside the fork. Right. Um, you might be a little bit less likely to do that with a non-open bath fork because it just has the lubrication bath in the lower legs. And a lot of the forks called and, five and five even if CCs? it does, it's not going to be enough oil to make as much of a mess. And it's often a thicker oil than what's in your damper. Right. So it doesn't... doesn't bl- it's uh, not as leaky. Yeah, yeah. Um, that being said, if you lose even just a little bit of it, you might have like dry lowers and bad lubrication. Um, but if you fill that hole in, it doesn't matter if you're an open bath or not. If you fill that hole, if you buff it and then fill the hole in with like nail polish or something, yeah, it's always been pretty savable. Yeah. I just think it's less like I'm thinking when you scratch stanchions on say an early Gen Marzocchi open bath, like it was messy and so it that, sucked. Those had a lower viscosity oil in them for sure. And a lot of oil. And a lot. And if they were if the seal cut the if the um scratch scratch cut, cut the, seal. the seal, then you were like yeah. oil everywhere. Yeah. And also, um like one of the places where when you scratch a stanchion, it's a big deal. Or you get ni- even a nick on the stanchion. is like an inverted motorcycle fork because the oil is just sitting on the seals. And those right. really do leak. But mountain bike forks with just a little bit of oil and they're right side up and it's not under pressure. Like, it's really not that I would big say, of a deal. for me, though, still, it's the same as it ever was. It's buff it, fill it. Yeah. So, anyway, but, yeah. Hats off to Lenny and, and Los Alamos. Nice job, buddy. Sweet. Um, do we have any listener comments? Or do questions? we want to? Yeah, I do was going to say. Do it, Ock. Do it. All right. Uh, let's see. So, this is from Thomas in San, San Diego, I think. Thomas says Greetings, longtime listener, first time writer. I really appreciate all the effort that everyone puts into making the podcast. This is my favorite podcast by far. That's high praise. I'm just. I've just finished listening to episode 96, and I'm about to play it again. Whoa, okay. Uh, This is easily one of my favorite episodes, and I love the way it developed. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark. As someone who loves geeking out over suspension, this episode ticks all the boxes. Double X, triple exclamation mark. Lots of great information. As a side note, I I plan to bring my Fox DPX in for a rebuild soon. It's great to know that there is a somewhat local option for shock rebuilds other than sending it out to the factory. Thanks again for the great podcast. Cheers from your neighbor to the south in not-so-sunny San Diego. Best regards, Thomas. Thanks for that, Thomas. That's cool. That's yeah. that, that's really encouraging. Um, if you do, if you have us rebuild your shock, I would say email us or call us and let's set up a date to do it so that we get you in our queue and then we can turn it around in a day or two. As opposed yeah. to if you just come drop it off on a random day right now, this time of year, it might be over a week. Hmm. And uh, I, I'd like to add, I, I mentioned this to time when we started today, is I, uh, I often uh, kind of exchange ideas and chat with uh, Brandon, who's been on the show before. I'm continually impressed with the knowledge that they're gaining and how quickly they are. Um, it's, it's very apparent that he knows his way around shocks. It's, it's student of the game. 
yeah, it's 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 really really impressing me how, how much they're digging into this. Very impressed. Yeah, I recently had Brandon build me from scratch a DPS Fox DPS for your trance for my trance. Man, I since it came up, I've been loving my trance. <laughs> that thing is a secret weapon. I totally agree, and I've I've reestablished a love relationship with mine too. Mm. I've yeah. never lost the love for it, but man, after <laughs> with this DPS. Well, you you had you had some some reliability issues with that DVO, yeah. I mean, in other words, like you had a couple of them go out. I did like four of them, but oh, I shit. think they've resolved the issue. I took my trance on a local group ride that I've been lately, often, slightly out of sight of the back of the group on the climbs. On ah, the climbs, see, and on the trance, I I'm like closer to mid pack on the climbs. Nice. And I'm not as quite as confident, say, as I am on the Nomad, like just charging. But, like, I'm pretty much in the same spot in the lineup in this group on the descents. It punches above its travel weight class. And it's maybe a bigger benefit on the climbs than it is a penalty on the descents mm, in like terms that. of, like, in terms of where it lines me up in this group ride. Yeah. Like, I'm still behind Sanjay. And still in front of whoever I was going to be in front of <laughs> on the descents. Nice. Um, and I definitely can like hang better. On it. I feel like I kind of owe it to the group to, even though I don't enjoy riding it quite as much sometimes on the NAR. Yeah. I kind of owe it to the group so they don't have to wait for me. On the <laughs> Did, have we mentioned the new giant carbon policy? Um, so rider status, or uh, I forget. What the, I, I suddenly. Rider confidence, something, something. It's a two-year, no questions asked replacement policy as a bonus customer service assurance on top of the lifetime warranty against manufacturer defect. Nice. So, in other words, if you wreck the bike, smash in the down tube, within two years, you're getting a new frame. Correct. End of story. Correct. Doesn't matter how you did it. Right. That's pretty cool. That is very cool. And that's rim. I think that's any carbon product made by Giant. So that's like bars, rims, seat posts on certain bikes, like frames, frames, frames. carbon frames. Yep. Yeah, yeah, all that cool. stuff. Front end, rear end, rockers, whatever's whatever's so. carbon. Yeah, I think so. It's pretty rad. Composite confidence, I think it's called something mm. like that. So there's been a lot. There's been some misconceptions where people perceive that as it's only a two year warranty. It's like no, the lifetime warranty is intact. This is on top of the warranty. Yeah. So like if it's within two years and you punch a hole in your frame it's not like are they going to warranty it the answer is yes inside they should years. call it like two years of nordstrom's yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> rei right. yeah so you know what's interesting about this as well uh on this custom build uh that i that i had done for oh, the, right back to your France. your float oh yeah float yeah. dps yes float so DPS. hand like ground up build the path ordered all the parts and yep. built it up for you yeah and i you know this probably happened over Two or three, maybe four conversations with Brandon at the at the path, and that's a rear shock that Fox doesn't currently make a aftermarket, I believe. Correct. In that length and trunnion and the whole blah Correct. blah blah. Correct. So certainly the damping configuration. Yes. So you got digressive, digressive rebound, rebound, and light compression, light compression, and um, whatever it is on the. You know the the three position switch. Uh, you can actually tune the firm position. So you wanted it super stiff. So I'd like it in the firm position to be firm. To firm, yeah. And you could get it medium, uh, or you, you can even get that light. So 
we kind of went back and forth about whether because on the on the compression you can get it medium, which is what's the normal. You can get it light plus light and extra light. You can also get a I think it's a firm. So there's like five or six different um, tunes that you can get. So what comes normal stock would be the medium, and I decided to go with the light and kind of like, should I get the light plus? Should I get the light? It's interesting to find out how much different people weigh in the shop. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Men and women. Uh, So I was like, well, I think based on that, I'm going to go with the light tune. So I'm glad I went with the light tune and the firm setting on the, um, quote, locked out or pro pedal firm setting can you pick the settings on all three positions the the climb the trail and the descend see i don't think you can pick it on the trail but by going with a light tune and a very firm setting the um on the full open versus the full closed quote full closed you really notice the trail there is now a very noticeable difference between the full open and trail oh so the trail might be a derivation of the of the firm position or the middle might be tied to the firm. I'm going to guess that the middle is the same as it would be regardless of the tune mm-hmm. and having an extra light compression yes. circuit oh. and an extra firm closed both accentuate the middleness of the trail. position. Yes. Yes. Nice. So, and, and then this thing has no sticker on it, huh? There's no sticker on it. That's right. We can put a sticker on it if you want. Yes. Us to you can get a complete sticker. I think, I so, think you need a a, 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 a sharpie make, silver pen and just have Brandon sign it. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a great idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that, and then that, cover that it with a clear piece thing. of packing tape right. so it doesn't wear off. Pathified, a clear piece of packing tape, you know, pathified <laughs> by Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> so I think part of it is that it's too, you know you made some good um, you know shim stack selections for your weight and running style and everything, but I think part of it too is. Like, if you picture how those shocks are assembled in the factory, there's just no way that someone is, like, painstakingly making sure that, like, there's 360 degrees of lubrication and, like, yeah, um, on every O-ring and, like, whatever, you know, and just the right amount of damp or of, of um, lubrication fluid in the air can. And, yeah. Um, and then, so, you know, they're, like, jamming them out, right? Like, ten, whatever. And you picture, I picture just, like, Someone's like frantically dumping fluid into like shock mm-hmm. after shock, right? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of maybe splashing around a little bit, and some of it's going in, and some of it's not. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm underestimating. They the might be getting paid by the shock completed, right? And or at the very least evaluated by that. Like right. that's probably a metric of success at the very least. Right. Um, and um, then all that aside. Best case scenario, it's like just as caringly assembled as it would be at the path. But then it maybe goes and sits in a warehouse for a month where all the fluid pools up at the bottom and part of the seal dries out. Mm. And then maybe it's hot in there. And then maybe it goes like on an airplane or on a boat or whatever (laughs) or a truck. three. a A truck and maybe it's hot and cold again. And, um, Shipped on a bike and maybe the whole maybe thing repeated. Maybe sits for three months, too. I mean, even, even if you think about it, like if you ever have a bike that sits for like three or four months and you go, the suspension doesn't feel as good. Yeah, that. you need to circulate the oil a little. And mm-hmm. and 
maybe even like it's not great for it to sit like if it sits for a year you should probably rebuild it or yeah. two years for sure you should rebuild it mm-hmm. um so on a smaller scale if it sits in th- for three months or four months between assembly and warehouse and shipping and being in a bike shop and being at the, being at giant or whatever distributor like four months would probably be pretty a pretty quick trip to end user in most cases mm. and at that point like even like even if you just say like after two years of sitting you should get a rebuild you're almost twenty five percent of the way there, like, so, my point is, um, a freshly assembled, caringly assembled and lubricated damper system shock feels really good. Yes, and so to that point as well, if you were just to bring your shock into the to the path and have them rebuild, um just in its current configuration it would for it would have dividends as well yeah right that's something we see a lot where as um the lubrication deteriorates over time and the contamination in- increases over time of dust and dirt and whatever um it's tough to notice that the performance is deteriorating because it's so incremental and you adapt to it faster than you can notice it mm-hmm. um it's slow. It's changing slower than you can notice it. It's like it's hard to watch the. It's hard to notice that the hour arm on the clock is moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you get a rebuild and you go all the way back to as good as new or maybe better than new, it's a pretty dramatic change. Yeah. Well, and and honestly, especially with Fox, in light of like their service turnarounds and things like that, like I mean, there is a big benefit to having the service local. That is very true, and I think one of the things I was talking with Brandon about, and I think maybe we can talk about this more next time he's on, but who is this type of custom build service for? It definitely takes a a longer time um, and kind of maybe some soul-searching on the customer's part and research on the customer's part to get a little bit better understanding about what these different terms and and components uh, and effects might have so you can have that conversation with you know with the shop and then also when you're actually looking doing researching the the SKUs (laughs) holy moly yeah there are a lot of them well and Brandon's gone through it enough he can read the matrix right yeah exactly Um, and so also whether or not Fox actually has every single tiny component in stock to make your custom build is even another question. So just the very, like once you've kind of worked through all the details, now you kind of put that order in and Fox may be missing two small components, but critical nonetheless. And you've got to wait till Fox gets those components in. Yeah. So it, it has its pros and its cons. I was fortunate that I had, you know, DVO is local and they continually send me the refreshed shocks. Um, so I never was never really without a bike. So, but just realized that this process could take a while. Uh, it's, it's a learning experience was a learning experience for me. I think it was, I think I was glad to hear also that it's a learning experience for the, for Brandon at the shop. Um, probably at a much deeper level and I'm super happy with the process. Nice. Sweet. It's a piggyback shock killer. Yeah, that's awesome. Should we do the listener question who um, um, took exception to us talking about plus wheels being dead? 
Sure, I can read that. Uh, let's see. This is, let's see, John. I take exception, sir. Yes. <laughs> Just my two cents, John. Uh, I'll call you 27 plus, 27 and a half plus tires. Hey, guys. Love the show. Thanks for letting me know that my new 2019 Trek Fuel EX Plus 27 and a half plus tire bike is a quote-unquote dead bike. Then you try to stereotype what kind of rider would buy a plus tire bike. I know I have her, I have, I'll have you know that I drive a Dodge Journey, not a Subaru. And I do not wear socks with my Tevas. However, I do wear them, so I'll shut up my rant now. (laughs) Solid. The real reason I went with a 27 and a half by 2.8 is the Fuel EX Plus fork is the Fuel EX plus the fork is 140 versus the 29 is 130. The bike felt more playful to me, and tires do grip corners awesome. I've been, on hardtail, I've been a hardtail rider since the 90s until 2014. I was on 26. This is my first full suspension bike, and it just feels, felt great to me. I do plan on getting a set of 29s for this bike in the future so I can swap between sizes, but I feel the bike is a long way from being dead. Coming from an XC Hardtail 29er, now I know I've got the tire pressure dialed in. I'm setting personal bests every ride. Glad you love the bike you ride, John. So I'm starting with some jokes. (laughs) (laughs) As someone who was a Hardtail rider in the 90s, I feel that I am entitled to um, make fun of that line because I'm one of you. (laughs) And as one of you, I get to say stuff. Um, yeah, you're fulfilling the fantasy. You're fulfilling, <laughs> <laughs> you're fulfilling the stereotype. Um, all joking aside, though, like like I said on the other podcast, like I know there's people shredding plus bikes, and I know that they're not dead in those riders' hearts, and I want all of those riders to love the bike they ride, and I'm stoked you love the bike you ride. And um, I was more discussing it from a point of view of whether that wheel standard is dead from like a new bike sales perspective. Like, should I order them? That right. was the perspective I was talking mm-hmm. about it from. And probably I shouldn't order too many, but I'll order one for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're right. being honestly not joking. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You guys want to save some stuff for next time? Keep something. Keep, keep something some aces that is, up the sleeve. Aces, aces up the sleeve. Keep on sending us your uh, music submissions from... Um, yeah, I'm not sure if that was a spam or what. So I have a feeling that's real. <laughs> PB, PBJ, uh, Pepper Juice. <laughs> Pepper Juice. Um, hey, I hope this email finds you well. We are Pepper Juice, a DJ producer duo from Paris. We would like to submit to you our latest remix of Blackpink's track, Kill This Love. We hope you will like it. Best regards, PBJ. Part of me thinks you should list, risk getting totally pwned, Nathan, and just play that right now. <laughs> it might be a link where, like, we're all pwned. Oh, let's, hang, hang on. You, you guys. Maybe just find it on, like, I don't know. On... Hey, hey, hey. Uh, hey, hey, now. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We're going to do this. Pepper juice, kill, Pepper. kill this love. Uh, we're just queuing up a little pepper juice right now. Kill this love. Maybe you can find it we'll on uh, Google love. Play. I don't know. <laughs> keep keep discussing. S- Siri, play uh, pepper juice. Kill this joy. Uh, kill this love. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Wait. Oh, there we go. Oh my god. Is, is pepper juice two or one word? <laughs> <laughs>
Capital P, little J, one word. Uh, let's see. A DJ producer duo from Paris. Black oh, wow. Pink's track killed Is with love. Is it pepper juice or super juice? Pepper juice. I think uh, you're going to have to actually risk no. everything uh, and do the actual <laughs> link. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Instagram, pepper juice music. Oh, uh, it's wait, pepper juice. Wait, one word, two words? One, word. one word, capital P. Oh, there we go. Pepper juice. Spelled traditionally. I mean like maybe they're of a certain age. <laughs> maybe they are. I mean, it's the traditional spelling. It's the traditional spelling of pepper juice. Oh man. <laughs> pepper juice, if you are out there and this is legit, I hope you send us another email. <laughs> I I know. I'm I'm working Try on Try Instagram. I, uh, pepper oh, juice. Pepper juice. I'm gonna look pepper on juice Play. remix. Oh, I think we found it. Oh, it might be real. Pepper. This is. This says. Uh, oh, it says remix. Oh, pep. No, pepper juice. An album by New Disco. It says <laughs> at the club. <laughs> all right, all right. So this one says says remix. I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm swinging for the I'm swinging for the fences. If it says if it has the proper link in it, I think I'm gonna go for it. Oh, Nathan's gonna risk full infection. I, I Nathan's <laughs> gonna oh, risk Nathan. computer AIDS. <laughs> Full, full infection. <laughs> oh, pepper juice. Let's Here we go. Like, Clicking the link now. SoundCloud. Oh, P E P P E R J U I C E. Traditional. Yeah, traditional spelling. <laughs> seems legit. We're going with it. All right. <laughs> this seems legit. <laughs> seems legit. Even though I can't Wait, even let, click on the link. Let me disconnect from your Wi Fi. <laughs> oh, no. This is it. This is it. It oh, says SoundCloud pepper juice kill this love. I think that is. Wait, wait. That might have been it. Probably is. Well, it is. It says it. This is our latest remix of Blackpink's track. So it is. Oh, that is it. That was totally it. That was it. It says remix. Okay. Yeah. We'll 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 keep we'll keep. Should we play that in the background as we kind of like wrap up and like sign off and like I don't know. Yeah. Thanks, Pepper Juice. Pepper Juice. Thank you. I hope you love the bike you ride, Pepper Juice. Like, there was nothing in there about bike riding. But they're a French duo. This is awesome. I feel like it's almost got, like, a little bit of Bollywood influence. Oh, maybe. Yep. But, like, obviously some, like, pretty hard-driving Euro club zeniness. For sure. Right on. I'm going to start listening to this. Tawny, you want to do it? All right. Thank you, Pepper Juice. Thank you very much for Nathan and Ock. This is Tawny saying love the bike you ride.